I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes. Unless you're driving or operating some kind of machinery, so take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go, let your worries go, and let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe, and feel your heart. And imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light, and know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in, and exhale out loud with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Welcome, everyone. To to be honest, today we are going to explore the topic of attachment theory. And my wish for you at the end of the episode is to explore further which attachment style you might have developed from childhood, and to assess your past and existing relationships relating to your attachment style. And if nothing else, it definitely will strengthen your existing relationships. All right, so let's get started with this question: Is it all your mother's fault? No matter what the "it" refers to, Sigmund Freud, the father of psychology, he would have probably said yes to that question, and that's why I was never a big fan of his. Nevertheless, I do agree with him that a lot of our challenges in adulthood they come from unresolved childhood issues. However. We now know a lot more about psychology, 
about parenting and human relationships than Freud ever did. So it is clear that not every issue can be traced back to one's mother. After all, there is another person involved in the raising, or at least the creation of a child. Right? That's why there is a saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Indeed, there are many other important people in a child's life who influence them. They are siblings, grandparents, aunts and uncles, godparents, close family friends, nannies, daycare workers, teachers, peers, and others who interact with a child on a regular basis. We psychologists continue to have this important discussion: What influences children to turn out the way they do? What affects their ability to form meaningful and satisfying relationships with those around them? What factors contribute to their experiences of anxiety, avoidance, and fulfillment when it comes to relationships? To be honest, we psychologists can pretty conclusively say that it is not entirely the mother's fault or even the fault of both parents. What we know for sure, and what we are saying, is that a child's early experiences with their parents do have a profound impact on their relationship skills as adults. So, what is attachment theory? This psychological theory of attachment was first described by John Bowlby. A British psychoanalyst who researched the effects of separation between infants and their parents. Earlier research on Bowlby's theory of attachment showed that infants placed in an unfamiliar situation and separated from their parents, they will generally react in one of three ways upon reunion with their parents. One way is secure attachment. Now these infants, of course, showed distress upon separation. However, they sought comfort and were easily comforted when they see their parents again. The second way upon、uh, the infant's reunion with the parents is what they called anxious. Resistant attachment. Now, they found that a smaller portion of infants experienced greater levels of distress when they are separated from their parents, and even upon reuniting with them, the infants seemed both to seek comfort and also to attempt to punish the parents for leaving. Well, maybe you had similar experience with your cat. I most certainly had. So similar to the infants, this cat seek affection and shortly after gave me the cold shoulder. The third type is what they coined avoidant attachment. Now, infants in this category, they showed no stress or minimal stress upon separation from the parents, and either ignored the parents upon reuniting or actively avoided the parents. And the last attachment style is the disorganized. A disoriented attachment style and children in this category, they have no predictable pattern of attachment behaviors. So, based on the research, it makes intuitive sense that a child's attachment style is largely a function of the caregiving the child receives in their early years. 
That means those who received support and love from their caregivers are likely to be secure. While those who experienced inconsistency or negligence from their caregivers are likely to feel more anxiety surrounding their relationship with their parents. In the psychology world, we are also applying what we know about attachment in children to relationships we engage in as adults. Now, these relationships, particularly when we are talking about intimate and/or romantic relationships, they are also directly related to our attachment styles as children and the care we received from our primary caregivers. Due to the time limit. I am going to cut to the chase. I'm going to share with you the connection between the attachment theory in childhood and the attachment theory in adults relating to their close relationships. So let me start with the children. Research evidence has shown the following connections. The first category: secure attachment. They find that these children are generally more likely to see others as supportive and helpful, and themselves as competent and worthy of respect. They also relate positively to others and display resilience, engage in complex play, and are more successful in the classroom and in interactions with other children. These children are also better at taking the perspectives of others and also have more trust in others. So now let's take a look at adult secure attachment style. Now this obviously can happen either when the child's needs were adequately met during their formative years, or as an adult, they worked hard at their relationships and circumstances in order to get to where they are emotionally in life as an adult. So if an adult is in this category, secure attachment. They are more likely to be satisfied with their relationships, feeling secure and connected to their partners without feeling the need to be together all the time. Their relationships are likely to feature honesty, support, independence, and deep emotional connections with healthy boundaries. The second type is the anxious avoidant attachment. Children that belongs to this category, they are generally less effective in managing stressful situations. They are likely to withdraw and resist seeking help, which inhibits them from forming satisfying relationships with others. They also show more aggression and antisocial behavior, like lying and bullying, and they tend to distance themselves from others in order to reduce emotional stress. The adult version of anxious avoidant,、uh, which is also known as dismissive avoidant attachment, actually, this is one of the two types of adult avoidant attachments. So, people with this attachment style, they generally keep their distance from others. Hence, the name dismissive avoidant. They may feel that they don't need human connection to survive or thrive, and insist on maintaining their independence and isolation from others. These individuals are often able to shut down 
emotionally when a potentially hurtful scenario arises, such as a serious argument with their partner or a threat to the continuance of their relationship. Third type, anxious resistant attachment style. Now, these children in this category, they are on the opposite end of the spectrum from anxious avoidant children that I just shared with you. They likely lack self-confidence and stick close to their primary caregivers. That means they can be clingy. They may display exaggerated emotional reactions and keep their distance from their peers, leading to social isolation. The adult version of anxious resistant is also known as anxious preoccupied attachment style. Now, those who form less secure bonds with their partners may feel desperate for love or affection and believe that their partner must complete them or fix their problems. Well, my audience, at this point, I trust that if you follow my work, you know that that is not healthy. Nobody can complete anybody. Your wholeness come from within, not from another person. Unfortunately, Hollywood movie is not helping either. So if you have seen the movie Jerry Maguire, the famous line from Tom Cruise to Renee Zellweger was, you complete me, right? Remember? So while they long for safety and security in their romantic relationships, they may also be acting in ways that push their partner away rather than invite them in. The behavioral manifestations of their fears can include being clingy, demanding, jealous, or easily upset by small issues. It will further enhance the problems if they have low self-esteem, because more likely than not, they will interpret their partner's messages negatively. The last and the fourth style is disorganized attachment. Now, children in this category, they usually fail to develop an organized strategy for coping with separation distress, and they tend to display aggression, disruptive behaviors, and social isolation. They are also more likely to see others as threats than sources of support and therefore may switch between social withdrawal and defensively aggressive behaviors. So the adult version of a disorganized attachment is also known as fearful avoidant attachment. And this is the second type of adult avoidant attachment. Remember earlier I mentioned that there are two types of adult avoidant attachments. The first is the dismissive avoidant or anxious avoidant attachment. And this is the second, fearful avoidant, a.k.a. disorganized. Now, this second type of adult avoidant attachment manifests as ambivalence rather than isolation. So people with this attachment style generally try to avoid their feelings because it is easy to get overwhelmed by them. They may suffer from unpredictable or abrupt mood swings and fear getting hurt by a romantic partner. 
Now, these individuals are simultaneously drawn to a partner or potential partner and fearful of getting too close. Unsurprisingly, this style makes it difficult to form and maintain meaningful and healthy relationships with others. Well, well, well. So, my audience. So, at this point, you may start asking, "Okay, what next? What am I supposed to do with all that information?" If you are indeed asking yourself these questions, I want to congratulate you because you have ignited the curiosity in you, and you do want to be a better lover, partner, and person. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you are not those things already. I'm sure you agree with me. There's always room for improvement, right? However, if you find yourself still struggling in those areas, the more reason to be aware of your own behaviors. Now, please take note and remember these four attachment styles in adults: secure attachment, dismissive avoidant, or anxious avoidant. They are the same. Anxious preoccupied or anxious resistant attachment. They are the same. And fearful avoidant or disorganized attachment style. They are the same. Please remember, each of these styles should be thought of as a continuum of attachment behaviors, rather than a specific type of person. Now, okay, that's important. Let me clarify further. That means someone with a generally secure attachment style may also, on occasion, display behaviors more suited to the other types. So, by the same token, someone with a dismissive avoidant style may form a secure bond with a particular person. Therefore, my audience, these four attachment styles should be considered a way to describe and understand an individual's behavior rather than an exact description of someone's personality. Remember that now. Also, based on a person's attachment style, the way they approach intimate relationships, marriage, and parenting can also vary widely. It is also important to understand that the number of ways in which the attachment style theory can be applied or used to explain behavior is compounded and expanded by the fact that relationships require two or more people. Right. So any attachment behaviors that an individual displays will impact and be influenced by the attachment behaviors of the other people. So, given the huge variety of individuals, behaviors, and relationships, it is really not surprising that there is so much conflict and confusion at times. Last and not least, it is also not surprising that many relationships end up in divorce or dissolution, an event that may continue an unhealthy cycle of attachment in the children of these unions. Therefore, my audience, maybe it is a good idea to first find out what attachment styles you may have, so that you can be more conscious of your own behaviors. Maybe your behaviors are still driven by the wounded child in you, driving the bus of your life. Think about that. So, thank you for listening. Until next week, stay safe, learn heaps. And find the courage to be honest and do the internal work. Bye for now.
you can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-A-K-I-A-O.com. <laughs>